Alright, you're recording. I'll step out. Cool. Thank you, Zane. Appreciate you. Thank you. I never started the timer. So, uh -oh. yeah. Welcome to Abilene People on KACU 89.5 FM. I'm Danny Sims, and this is a conversation with people who make Abilene a great place to live. And today's guests are Betty and Charlie Huckel, two of Abilene's most interesting people, in my opinion. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks, Danny. Terrific. Well, I'm so glad, glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. When I asked you to be the very first guest <laughs> on this new show, Conversation, on KECU 89.5 FM, <laughs> you said, I don't know about that. Why would you want us? But uh, but I'm glad you're here. And I think I think all of Abilene knows why I want you because you are a compelling, interesting people. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks. you are. Yeah. Now, you you obviously live in Abilene, and you obviously, Betty, are the director at the historic Paramount Theater. I am. And Charlie, you obviously, I know this to be true, are the professor of theater at. McMurray University. That's correct. How long have each of you done those gigs where you presently are employed? Charlie? Uh, I've been there since 1985. At McMurray since 1985. That is and correct. before that, Hardin Simmons. Hardin Simmons for six years yeah. before that. Yeah. So you're, you're truly an institution over there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> is that what they say? I have, people well, that have been around a while? Geezers, actually, is what we're oh, calling. Oh, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that's a technical, it's a technical that's term. That's a theater term. Well, no, it's a, just a university. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a geriatric okay. term. Yeah. 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 So. Well, how long have you been at the Paramount? I, I joined in uh, August 1989. Yeah. I can't do the math. I'm sorry. I was yeah, a theater major. For a while. So. Yeah. <laughs> you were a theater major? <laughs> yes. And so I you uh, found your way yes. to the Paramount. Mm -hmm. Now, at the Paramount, sometimes I, I've seen you on stage. Rarely, but yes. But Well, I don't know. I've seen you a couple of times. Okay. And you do really well. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> if, I don't have, if I don't have much to memorize, that's what I... Yeah, the you know, it is a muscle, and it does yeah. break, or yeah. whatever, pull, <laughs> well, go, go dead, go atrophy. Lame. Yeah. You know, and mine has. <laughs> you also have an office there as the director. Do I you do. prefer to be behind your desk or on your stage at the historic Paramount Theater? It depends on the day. You know, oh. every day is different. And uh, some days I, you thought, I really don't want to be in this office. I'd rather be on the stage. Yes, and then yeah. I'm up there terrified, and I'd rather be behind the safety of my desk. Yeah, but, you know. You guys have done a lot of shows at the Paramount, live yes, shows yeah. at the mm -hmm. Paramount. Can you can you name two or three of your favorites? Well, oh yeah, sure. I, I loved Ragtime. I loved being a part of mm -hmm. that. I loved. Um, I'm particularly partial to the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. But we just did Les Mis, and I mean, just to sit in the audience. And I didn't have anything to do with that other than be the producer, and so I had the other than the producer. You know, well, I mean, I well, okay, but but I, that wasn't artistic, and yeah. so to be able to sit yeah. and enjoy that at somebody else's labor, their yeah. long hours, when I just yeah. kind of sashay in at the end and get yeah. to cry all night long, it was wonderful. It was so, a, great what a great show. What a great job. Still a year after now. Yeah, it is. Of course, you know, but but we're coming up on rehearsal started last night for Into the Woods, and that will be just as good. It's just a little bit different, you know, and sure. uh, and then we're to already beginning to talk about what the possibility for next year will be. So, um, it's a constant. Um, it's a constant. It's kind of a cycle. Yeah. You know, and so and the you're, Paramount, you guys do live stage productions. Yes. You have those wonderful vintage movie experiences at yes, the Paramount. So do. you have this great popcorn too. What's your yeah. secret? <laughs> yeah. Living right. 
Okay. You know. All right. That's the secret to the popcorn. Living That's the right. secret to everything. Well, no wonder Be I don't kind. have a good popcorn. That's the secret. <laughs> I thought the secret of good popcorn was don't cook it in the microwave. Well, <laughs> that helps. Okay. So at, uh, at Bing Murray, you've done uh, a whole lot of productions. You've we directed have. them. Uh, you also have helped out at the Paramount. Yes. Uh, I've seen your work there. It's fantastic. Yes. And you. then you've had students who've produced uh, live stage uh, shows and written uh, live stage productions. Yes, that's so correct. What piece of all of that, Charlie, is your favorite as the director of theater at McMurray University? Or can you say? You know, I can't say. It, it, you know, it's interesting. I, I envisioned myself in, in terms of looking at my career at being um, being somewhere at a big university where I would ultimately specialize in scenic design, which is sort of the, the thing I, I was focused on in graduate school. Uh, but I've ended up at a small school where you have to be a generalist and you have to do a little bit of everything. And uh, and so I can't say that I, I like one thing more than the other. And in fact, the thing I like about what I'm doing is that I, each time we do another play, I generally change my role. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm the scene designer. Sometimes I'm the director. Sometimes I'm only designing lights. Um, and so it, it nothing gets boring. There's always... You know, you're not in, in this repetitious pattern, and, um, and so I really I like all of theater, and I'm very fortunate in the position I have in working at a small school that I'm allowed to do things other than my official special. Were you always good at the generalist kind of needs? Well, I always kind of liked that. In fact, the graduate program I went to at, at the Dallas Theater Center was kind of a generalist MFA, which is fairly rare. But I was focused on design and playwriting, but I still had to take courses in acting, oh, and cool. stage movement, and voice and diction, and you know the whole the whole range of um, of theatrical education. So yes, I've always enjoyed all of it. Is there one particular show that you would love to do or be involved in that you've never had the opportunity to put on stage? Well, there are, actually there are a bunch of them. Um, I'm a big fan of a play by William Soroyan called The Time of Your Life. Uh, hmm, the Time of Your Life time sounds your interesting. Life. And I've always wanted to be involved in a production of that on some level, but it's a huge cast. Huge cast. And so. Now, what's a huge cast? Like 20 people, 30 at, people? At least. About oh. 25, I think, in okay. this particular one. And it's not a musical. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's just from the 1930s, and it's just a big scale show. But it's yeah. a, like the. I like the heart of the play. I like the message of the play. And, uh, but I, I doubt if I'll ever get a chance to be involved in it. Because it's so big? It's so big. We couldn't do it at McMurray. It's just impossible. The size of it is impossible. But, you know, if you did that show, I have a hunch it would be the time of your life. <laughs> well, you know, that's the part yeah, of the message. I'm sorry. Is, you know, I this apologize. Is, this is the time of your life. You know, <laughs> this is it. And you should live it. Okay, now you paint. You're you're an artist. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little about that. And, and Do you paint portraits? Do you paint things, uh, inanimate objects, right. uh, nature scenes? What do you paint? I, I mostly paint people. I mean, that's what I like to paint. The, the human and did, did I read or did you tell me once that your favorite subject is 
the lovely Betty Huckel. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing I like to paint the most. Go and figure. Then, and I have a. I think I'm painting at least figure. A, at least a dozen or so paintings of Betty. Of Betty. And she, I've, I've seen one that I recall particularly where you look at that painting and she's standing in the painting and you wait, wait, that's Betty. But <laughs> I would assume some of them are clearly, obviously Betty. And then some of them she's standing. I think of the one I'm thinking of. She's standing even with her back to you as you look at the painting. You know yes. the one I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. So, but but some of them are are, are full feature Betty Huckles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then some are people you know or scenes you have observed. Yes, I mean, I, I like painting, um, you know, there was a, a genre in the 1930s again and 40s called American Scene. And it was um, it, it was artists painting images from America, you know, the American landscape, urban landscape, not, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've always been drawn to that particular uh, uh, genre of work. And so I think of mine in that same light, that what I'm painting is sort of, Americana, in a sense, uh, it's the American story, which ultimately, when you're dealing with human beings, it's I think universal. Are there any particular Abilene uh, landmarks that you've enjoyed painting? Have you ever done? Have you ever painted the Paramount? You know, I, I tried one time to paint the Paramount, and uh, and didn't and, work out. And gave it up. Hmm. I mean, I I really prefer painting things with people in it. Gotcha. The people in the foreground. And and the background may be architectural or it may be landscape, but that's not the focus of it. The focus of it is the are, are the people. Yeah, good. Well, uh, this is Danny Sims and my guest today on Abilene People on KACU 89.5 FM are Charlie and Betty Huckel, and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Abilene People. This is Danny Sims, and my guests in studio today are Charlie and Betty Huckel, two people that make Abilene an interesting place to live. You guys uh, came to Abilene as adults, young adults. <laughs> well, that's still a relative well, term. That's well, right. It is, well, another word, yeah, in age, I guess yeah. we were adults. <laughs> they say. But, but now you're established in Abilene. You've been here a long time. You intend to live in Abilene the rest of your lives, right? And then some. We, yeah. we bought a little space in the columbarium at the First Central Presbyterian Church. So we're Oh, wow, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> well, it's been eternity. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't expect to visit you there anytime yeah, soon. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, speaking of Abilene and it being an interesting place and it being your forever home, literally, well, you know, actually yeah. you might be somewhere else. But, but, you know, the thing is, Abilene is a really interesting, unique place to live. But I read I read somewhere, maybe it was in a fantastic Abilene Reporter news piece that our friend Janet uh, did a few years ago, that when you first came to Abilene, Betty, you came in the middle of a <laughs> night and you yeah. woke up to this West Texas town and thought, where am I? Is that accurate? Yeah, so we, Charlie brought me out at night and put me up at the Kiva, which was brand new. Oh, at the time, state-of-the-art, uh, brand new hotel yeah. brand new with a big dome. Yeah. 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 Did they have free breakfast? I'm just yeah, curious. I don't, I don't think remember. So. Oh, boy. But we, um, he drove me around the town, but again, it was dark and it was lovely and it was a beautiful night. And, and, and the next morning, our particular room opened the door opened out to um what is now or, or was sam's 
Oh, yeah, the yeah, big Sam's so, Club. Yeah, yeah, but at the right. time, it was just sort of um, a lot of um, tumbleweeds and... Prickly and, pear. Yeah, I think the... Dirt, the mesquite trees. Typical con- A concrete plant concrete, was out there. Yeah. So it was... And, and, and it kind of went from there to worse because we... Uh, started looking for someplace to live. I mean, he, he was hired, and we had very little notice. School was about to start. We had to get here and get us, you know, settled. And there was nothing for rent because it was, uh, I think it was about a year after Abilene had gone wet, mm-hmm. and there was a growth, pretty phenomenal growth period that Abilene experienced in the and very late 70s. Yeah, yeah, oil was booming. So we couldn't find a place to live. And, and we drove down, and we saw one house that had a hole in the side of it, of the asbestos siding that covered it. And that, I think, was the only property that was available in the newspaper. Did you rent that no, house? There was no, one that had a didn't. plywood door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was crying, and some person on Hart Simmons campus. It was plywood. It was. it was. Yeah, it was nice. And Anyway. Uh, so someone took, took us kind of under their wing and made some phone calls and found us a little rented, uh, rentable duplex on Hickory Street, which we called Casa Magnetica because it had settled some. And so depending yeah. on, on what corner you were happened or what part of the room you were sitting in, things would slant toward you. Yeah. You couldn't eat soup in a safe Gotcha. Was, Got, n- you know, named after the famous uh, locale at Six Flags. That's yes. correct. That yeah. was, on, a, was, there was on the strange right, there angle. Not, there was not a square yeah. wall in the house. Yeah, and you couldn't eat soup. I like that. And unfortunately, it had been paneling. It had been, you know, covered. The walls were covered in paneling that had vertical, pretty strong vertical stripes. And so, if you put you put the couch against the wall, and you wanted to hang a picture, you could either be square with the with the paneling or with the couch, but but not both. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it's come a long way since then. The Hugels have come a long way since then. That's true too. You know, someone recently said to me, and I think it was our mutual friend Myra. She said, I think the Hugels are the most talented couple in all of Abilene. Well, Myra yeah. hasn't been around very much. <laughs> well, look, she knows four couples. But, but, okay. okay. So, you know. But, but you know what? I source. reflected on that, and I said, I think, I think that's exactly right. In all, in all seriousness, but, well, you guys are you, you're uniquely talented. You bring a unique combo set of gifts. It's like that big box at Taco Bell where you get three or four different things. You've got the enchilada, you got the chalupa, you got the taco. But you have it all. I mean really, you really no, are Charlie's unique. very talented. I'm just bossy. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 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 So I just yeah. Well, you, you wear it well. Whatever. But Maybe he wears it well. I don't know. How does that saying go? Yeah. Somebody but you are very talented people Thank you. and you've made this big contribution to Abilene culturally. Uh, I'm just I'm just curious. Danny. Is there is are there things about Abilene that if you could wave a magic wand and say let's change that? Does anything come to mind? I would make people stop at stoplights for crying out loud. They hey, what's seem the, to I don't know, but it's epidemic. They what's just up with Abilene drivers? Run stoplights. But You're Abilene's right. the only place, interestingly enough, where they run stoplights. Where I have seen people stop to turn right on oh, green. Happens, yeah. Yeah. I don't get that. Why do they do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always want to say there's no need to stop before you get in the left-hand turn lane. But is there is there anything? Those those important points aside, is there anything? Uh, uh, let me let me get at it this way. Uh, recently, the uh, our city government afforded us the opportunity to express an interest or otherwise in a recycling mm-hmm. program here in the city. You bet. I think that something like that's important. I personally signed the petition. I don't we know. We signed up. Okay, good. We signed yeah. up right yeah. very early on. In fact, I'm more than happy to pay the $60 upfront fee for the 
for the little disposable, yeah, you, sure. you know, as we are older. You as know, we I'm are. happy no to do that. I, absolutely, we need to do that. How do you feel about, you know, that's, I, I'm sure you would agree, not going to solve climate issues. No. It's not going to solve huge global concerns about waste, but it is a, a community doing its part. Would you agree with that? And Absolutely. why would you? Why were you interested in that? Why are you interested in something like that? Because it's the right thing to do. And we're such a disposable society. I mean, yeah. we've created, we've we've moved towards this, this, um, uh, you know, let's get. We don't want to have anything that we have to clean. Disposable. <laughs> for heaven's yeah. sake, you know, let's just use this plastic bottle and drink our water and then throw the bottle away. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to be that irresponsible, uh, then we need to be responsible about responsible about what we do with the waste itself. And have you seen a change in Abilene in its willingness to have those kind of conversations and to make those kind of changes or take those kind of steps? Would you like to see more of that in Abilene? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Abilene has changed a lot since we moved here. Since yes. 1979, I doubt recycling would have been a big conversation in 1979. No, no probably not. No. But well, I don't know. The environmental movement was on. Yeah. But but we have seen a remarkable difference in the and the aesthetics of living in Abilene. Of literally not just people taking more pride, I think, in their own property, but the railroad tracks is a prime example. And when we moved here, it was really kind of where people kind of threw their trash out, or you know, it was just kind of um, flat and ugly, and and and. And yet, when when that got beautified as sort of a green belt, and um, it became much more interesting to look at, I think everybody kind of felt a little bit of a sure. elevated pride and wanted to to extend that look. So, I, so I see people. I see less litter in the years that I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are just a little bit more conscientious of how we present ourselves to others and and our and what kind of environment we, of course you know right now it's all green <laughs> it all looks pretty no matter <laughs> yes. what so yeah we're uh, we're having this conversation in spring and yeah. we've had a lot of rain and it is beautiful outside that's correct well, so. maybe we should revisit this topic in <laughs> august <laughs> maybe so <laughs> yeah but one one of the things i'd like to see uh, a change in abilene is even more aggressive approach toward uh what I've seen, tremendous growth since I lived here in the 70s and 80s and came back recently, but even more of a, of a, of a sense of ownership for the arts and for culture. It's, it's grown tremendously. It's, oh, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And, and that's, part of the, that's part of the joy of living in Abilene. Absolutely. It's just a really wonderful arts. scene. Yeah. Yeah. Some good museums. Absolutely. And, and downtown yeah, Abilene's yeah. changed a lot. And, and, and again, interestingly, you've been involved in that because no question that Paramount, Paramount was a driver right. of the revitalization of downtown Abilene. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can feel good about that. I'm sure, I'm sure that you don't spend a lot of time patting yourself on the back. There's too much to do. I don't spend any time. It certainly wasn't because of me. How, but, I, but it was wonderful to get to watch it um, and, and, you know, see the marked change. I remember... When the Paramount, when I first went to work at the Paramount in 1989, the Grace had not been restored. Uh, all of Cypress Street was pretty much abandoned. I think um, I think Bogies may have opened the very same year I went to work there. So, all of that stuff that we take for granted is is relatively new. I mean, it's urban renewal, but it's but it's new to a, a new generation and 
Um, people are now starting to rediscover. It's real exciting to see what's going on right now in downtown mm-hmm. uh, because there's a sort of a new energy. There is. I think brought right. in by young entrepreneurs, sure. part of them uh, involved in the food truck scene. And the and, south side development. And the, the development of the south side, all yeah. of that kind of coming together. So I, uh, I have great excitement for the future and, and the possibilities of what, what all of that kind of ultimately results in. Well, this is Danny Sims. Today I'm with Charlie and Betty Huckel on our uh, wonderful new program here on KECU FM 89.5, Abilene People, and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Abilene People. This is Danny Sims. Today, we are with Charlie and Betty Huckel. You know, one thing I wanted to talk about with you regarding Abilene, because it affects all of us, is this political season that we're in and this political climate. And there seems to be this hostility and this mm-hmm. divisiveness in our nation at large. And I just thought I might ask you, what do you think about that? Just speaking from a big picture sense on the national scene, and then, and then how that affects us as people who live in a community like Abilene, because there's this polarization that seems so destructive to mm-hmm. relationships, thoughts. Does that make sense to you guys? You see that too. I think oh, yeah. I think we've lost sight as a nation of the idea of how you actually get things done, and that is through compromise. That nobody is going to get everything they want. And the only way anything has ever taken place, has ever happened in Congress in Washington, is when one side gives a little and the other side gives a little, and we find middle ground between two reasonable viewpoints. But it has gotten to the point where it's so polemic now, and this idea of it's either my way or the highway, I will not bend at all, This is, and, and people are so rigid on on their viewpoints and you know I respect people's different viewpoints but at the same time if we want to move forward we have to work together we can't I, I, we just can't be that isolated looking at the at the diversity of this nation we have to try to uh, find satisfaction for all involved as much as we can which I know it's hard I know it's hard but it has become very very toxic and, and, and politics has become show business. And start, that started a long time ago, but it's, we, we've now come to the, the, like the reality TV version of politics. And would, would you guys agree with me that both sides of the aisle, liberal and conservative, Democrat and Republican, bear blame? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're human. Yeah. All of us bear blame. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I do think, frankly, I think lobbies have too much power, and I think the idea of career politicians is something that really needs to be revisited. Isn't it interesting that our president has a term limit, two terms? Yes. And I think Congress that's doesn't. about it. And, that's, and Congress doesn't. And, and, uh, and I, I, you know, I just think that you get people who, are, who, who become so concerned about reelection that they're not really concerned with what is the right thing to do. This is Charlie Huckel for president, <laughs> a show that appears weekly here on. No, no, no. But, but I think that this political season is indicative of what the country is moving toward as a whole socially. And, and, and it even goes back 
so so many years and we've become as human beings so much more isolated and the digital age has or the digital capabilities that in ways that we can communicate has really meant that we don't have to interact uh, with other human beings in order to function and, and, and live our daily lives you can you can do it completely isolated your food can be so uh, can be delivered all of that can be can be um, you can be you can be alone and with that it means that you sit with your ideas exclusively and I think that and I know there have been I've heard it on NPR that there are things that have proven that um, the more you stay with people of like mind and the less you yes. interact with people who think opposite of you, the less likely we are of, of healing these wounds. Good so point. If, if there was some way that we could, as a community, get together and have roundtable discussions, community, cities, sm- churches, you know, you could go bigger or smaller, but somehow have representatives of different schools of thought in, in a place where we break bread and maybe have to do something have a project where work has to be accomplished and you have to depend on the assistance of somebody that you don't agree with, but but you're not talking about what you don't agree about. You're talking about this task that has to be accomplished. I think that we would find that, you know, at the bot at the end of the day, we're all the same. We all want our children to do better. We we want peace. We we you know, and, and it's the and it's those people who speak so loudly that, that it has to be their way, no compromise yeah, you know, yeah. as you brought yeah. out that that really make all of us either shut up or or want to gravitate toward them and you know and, and be safe. Where where I think it's a very strong climate of fear. Fear of, of judgment, fear of uh, of, of being not being armed, you know. I mean, it's gone. We've gone to such extremes on this, and 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 I can't help but think that the digital, the social media, because of our anonymity and the fact that you can post something without thinking, without thinking of how it's going to affect anybody, and it can go out and become viral. I, I mean, I think we've run amok with that, and I guess. Because it's so large and it's a global thing that it's it's a pendulum swinging thing, and we're way over on one side. Which side I don't know, but on one side of that pendulum, and um, and it's and it probably can get a lot worse before it gets better. There's a there's a great play called Sleuth entitled Sleuth. I don't know if you've ever seen. Actually, been two movie versions of it, uh, written by uh, Anthony Schaefer. And there's a line in there: "I hate you because you're a not one of me." And I think that sums up a lot of people's attitudes, that you're not like me, therefore I hate you. Therefore, we cannot find any kind of middle ground. We cannot have any kind of conversation because you are not like me. That, that comment brings us back, in a sense, to the theater, which I think serves as a, a good model for what we need. A theater demands collaboration. Absolutely. It demands cooperation. The, the, the greatest star on stage is reliant on the guy whose name no one will know and no one will applaud to raise and lower the curtain or to dim or to raise the, the lights. lights. That's right. <laughs> a theater can That's teach right. us all. It remind, reminds me a bit of Robert Fulgham's book, I, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Everything I Need to Know I Learned at 
the theater, mm-hmm. either on stage at McMurray or at the mm-hmm. historic Paramount <laughs> Theater. Hey, but when we come back, I want to talk Volkswagens. Okay. And I want to talk about uh, kind of where you guys go from here. All right. Uh, and I don't mean that, uh, that, that that small place at First Central Presbyterian. <laughs> we mentioned We're not in a hurry to get, <laughs> to no, get there. Not a goal. Uh, this is Danny Sims, and I'm with Charlie and Betty Huckel on Abilene People on KACU 89.5 FM. Welcome back. This is Danny Sims with Charlie and Betty Huckel on KACU 89.5 FM. Our show is called Abilene People. It's a conversation with people who make Abilene an interesting place to live. Thank you so much for being uh, our very first inaugural guest. You were our honored very first show. you asked us. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm honored you said yes. Uh, you know, you have a love of Volkswagen. I do. I have a love of Volkswagen. I know you do. So uh, we have that in common. You just recently sold your 1980s era camper bus, right? I did. did, I you, did. Do you miss we it? Was did. it was it tough? Was it that? Oh yeah. It was it. Oh, that yeah. was it's a, a bittersweet uh, thing. Pearl. Pearl was our name nickname for her. Yeah, she was a great bus. Uh, we had it for nine years. It was in she great was shape, our, but 35th wedding anniversary. 30th. 30th, 30th wedding anniversary, which is the pearl. pearl anniversary. Pearl. There you go. And, and she yeah. was she was pearlescent white. Did, and did you camp in Pearl? Did oh, you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you we like sure to did. camp? We do enjoy that. And if I recall, one of your favorite places to go is Fort Davis. Uh-huh. Well, the Big Bend I, I, area. I love yeah, the yeah. Big Bend area. Did yeah. you take Pearl to Big Bend? We mm-hmm. did, several yeah. occasions. And, and you know, Volkswagens, I have a 79 classic right. bus, and right. I always have this fear of, of breaking down. Sure. You just, it's a, hey, sure. it's, it's part of the culture of having a Volkswagen correct. bus. Yeah. Did you ever break down in Pearl? You know, it's funny you should say that. I'll, I'll give a plug for my mechanic, Dave, at Volkswagen Babylon. We were going down to, to Big Bend. We went out to Pecos, and we turned. We were going to go south to Belmaray. Pulled over. We are in a caravan, some people behind us. So we pulled over. There were no cell phone signals way out there at the time. We pulled over to talk about where we were going to stop for lunch, and I got back in, and it wouldn't start. Uh-oh. I turned it. it. It was cranking, but it just wouldn't It wouldn't kick in. So here I am in the middle of, of nowhere, frankly, and got on the phone called Volkswagen in Abilene, and it was it was still Sterling Volkswagen at the time, and said, you know, I, I'm stuck. What do you recommend? And, and the, the parts manager, service manager said, hey, well, why don't you talk to Dave? So I talked to Dave, and he's the guy who'd been working on it all the time I had it, and he said, oh, well, yeah, do this. And he told me exactly what to do. And you did <laughs> And it. I did it, and it cranked up, yeah. and we drove on down to Big Ben and never had the problem again. There you go. We got back home, and I took him a six-pack of beer and... <laughs> Hey, that's a pretty told, good trade. Told him I was not worthy. That's a, that's a pretty good trade, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I have uh, have broken down. But but uh, the service here, frankly, it has been wonderful. And me. when you sold Pearl, you now have still two Volkswagens. Yes, they're, we do. They're the newer, smaller SUVs. But you love – there is a culture of, that there surrounds is. the Volkswagen. A, yes, correct. And and we have this affinity for it. What, is, what right. is your favorite thing about the Volkswagen uh iconic idea of, of driving in a bus or a beetle you know I, I to me it's just sort of the engineering uh, i mean it there i think they're really fine vehicles now you're right 
Sometimes they break down, but all automobiles break down. The beautiful and, thing about a Volkswagen is you can call your buddy in Abilene that's right. who can walk can, you through you fixing can, it. That's exactly right. <laughs> you you know, couldn't and, do that in many vehicles. And, and if you go back to the old air-cooled engines, you could on your lunch break go in and pull four four bolts out and lift the <laughs> engine out and repair it and put well, it back in. As you know, I have an air-cooled. I know. Some people say, you know, you could do that. There are people who can't, not me. Not well. Not, <laughs> I don't, I'm not speaking from personal experience. I've seen it done. I haven't done it with that. So... Uh, do you enjoy camping as much as Charlie, Betty? Yes. Um, he does all the work, and I sit and watch him, and yeah, I cook. It's a great deal. Somewhat. And, uh, but it's what we have learned. It's the most um, compact way to relax. Yes. You're staring at green. Yes. You're not really doing anything. You know, you're not yeah. sightseeing. You're not, we don't really hike. We don't do anything. We sit in a lawn chair and... That's the way to if do we're it. close to water, we get in the water until we're, you know, well, pruney, and then we get out till we're hot. Mm-hmm. So we go back and forth, and that's and that's it. And so, in in four days, we can get like two weeks worth of that's right vacation time yeah. in, and it's inexpensive. And and I think it's a good way to slow down. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. And, and that's a lost discipline mm-hmm. in right. our world. And have so no television. Usually, you can't get yeah. cell, you know, so no one can call you, and it's a, it's it's a nice it's thing. Nice. Wow, the phone doesn't ring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I read in in the Janet Van Vliet article about you, Charlie, in the Reporter News. It was also substantively Betty about you as well that uh, you had had some health challenges and decided you were going to slow down. I did. Yeah, I did. And when you decided I'm going to slow down, what did you do? People say they want to do that, but many of us never get around to it. So help us understand how to slow down. Well, you know, at the time I was working very hard, and I like to think I'm still working hard, but I was working very hard, and, and I was actually had gone back to school and was working on a Ph.D. at Texas Tech. And I'd finished all of my coursework and my, taken my exams, and I was working on the dissertation. I had a large portion of it done, but I'd reached an impasse. Uh, essentially, I'd reached a point where I wasn't getting much farther, and and, uh, and and so I was getting very very frustrated with it, and um, and so I had the the heart attack, and and the in the hospital, the doctor said, you know, you need to do something to reduce stress in your life, and and uh, the most stressful thing in my life was that dissertation, and I didn't need the PhD. I like I just like to go to school, <laughs> frankly, and I was able to use all the information that I learned in class. And so, by having the degree, it wasn't going to get me anything in my career. So I was able to walk away from that without trouble at all. And I walked away from uh, the various leadership roles I had at McMurray of uh, department chairs and those kinds of positions, and left those behind. And uh, and just made the decision that, you know, I was going to continue to work hard. I was going to do my job, but I really didn't want to, frankly, die standing on a ladder, you, you know, uh, uh, hanging lights. I still do those things, but I don't I don't work as many late hours and things like that, that I, like I used to. And then the other thing was I, I, I've always loved to paint, and that's when I really rededicated myself to painting. Um, I had been avoiding it because I thought, well, if I'm not working on my dissertation, if I'm not doing this, then I'm, I'm, you know, that's what I need to be focusing on. And I just said, forget it. This is what I like to do. It's very relaxing. It, it brings me peace. So, it, you know, I just concentrate. I love to play the guitar, so I'm doing that more. I'm just really trying to, to spend some quality time doing things that I absolutely love. And, um, and so I still do my job, but 
I don't think of my life as being my job. I see my job as being a means to have a life. And so I'm trying to concentrate on the things that I think are my life. Wow, Betty, that sounds like a pretty good deal for you, too, huh? Yeah, it's a great deal. Yeah. yeah. So you, you kept Charlie around, and he made some changes that were a blessing, I'm sure, to your home life and your camping time and your <laughs> relaxing time, and you found yourself the subject of many more portraits. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's brother died. Um, how many years before that that had happened? He died in 92. And so when things like that happen, and, and then, you know, here we are again, you suddenly go, wait a minute. There's we have pattern. to take this very seriously. This <laughs> yeah. is not something that's just going to go away. He, you know, he had the DNA in his family, and so it's going to be something that we have to think about. And it also changes when things like that occur. And I've talked to other people. Uh, when when you come to near death experiences, it changes your value of life. That's true. You suddenly recognize what people tell you from the time that you're born that it's, you know, it's only a moment, it's a blink away, but it's true, and uh, and it becomes personal. And so I, um, I wake up every morning and say thank you that I still have him. Beautiful. Well, let's come back as we conclude with that very first question. You're the director of the historic Paramount Theater, and you're the director of theater at McMurray. How long do you want to do what you're doing, and do you plan to spend the rest of your life in Abilene? I think the answer to that is yes. I think we've already mm -hmm. said that. But would you love to do this another 10, 20, 30 years? Two years. Dose. Yes. You already got a plan. I have a plan. Yeah. And in Interesting. In two, two years, I'll, I will retire. I like what I do, but on some level, theater is a young person's game. <laughs> you know, truly. Oh, it is. yeah. It is. And, totally. And so um, <laughs> it's time for me to step aside and for some new blood to come into the McMurray Theater program and... Uh, yeah, and, and you know, that and revitalize it. Frankly, and uh, I've enjoyed it. It's been a great place to work. Um, I really, truly mean that. And I and I think McMurray right now is in, in a perfect position to move forward with the new administrative team that we have. I mean, we're I feel better about McMurray's future than I've ever felt. And I'm thinking that right about the time I retire, it'll really be <laughs> it'll really be kicking in. Well, you don't strike me as the kind of person that'll sit around with any regrets. No, I, no, I will looking, not. You're looking out your windshield a whole lot more than you're looking through your rearview mirror. You are That's how you live your life. Right. Yes. And it, you know, it's and, easy to see. And Danny, I think that both of us look forward to being able to pick up freelance work. And so do what we like to do most, but, but only do it on a very small scale. And that, boy, what freedom to be able to pick and choose that. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I think that both of us are kind of looking mm -hmm. forward to. And spending time spend together. Spending time together. <laughs> Wonderful. Beautiful. Well, you've been the perfect first guest for Abilene People. And I appreciate so much you being here at KC with me today, on the air, in the studio, and the best to you. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Danny. You Very are to you too. people that make Abilene not just an interesting place to live, but a great place to live. Yeah. And we could Very take kind. this interview and share it with people and say, embedded in the words from Charlie and Betty Huckel, <laughs> really, truly, there's a secret to happiness in life and contentment. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. And we will see all of you back here on the radio, if that's possible. And I think it is. On KACU 89.5 FM, Abilene People next week. This is Danny Sims, your host. Thank you to Charlie and Betty Huckel. And we'll see you next week here in Abilene. Down the road.